Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Jaiva Narottamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tamayam Udiraye Srimad Bhagavatam, 7th Canto, 1st Chapter, <clears throat> Text Number 1. This chapter is entitled, The Supreme Lord is Equal to Everyone. King Prikshit inquired, my dear Brahmana, the Supreme Personality of God at Vishnu, being everyone's well-wisher, is equal and extremely dear to everyone. How then did he become <clears throat> partial like a common man for the sake of Indra and thus kill Indra's enemies? How can a person equal to everyone be partial to some and inimical to others? Purport, in Bhagavad Gita 9.29, the Lord says, Samaham sarvabhuteshu name dveshyo stina priyaha. I'm equal to everyone. No one is dear to me, nor, nor is anyone my enemy. In the previous canto, however, it has been observed that the Lord sided with Indra by killing the demons on his account. Hattaputra diti chakra parshni grahena vishnuna. Therefore, the Lord was clearly partial to Indra, Indra, although he is the super soul in everyone's heart. The soul is extremely dear to everyone, and similarly, the super soul is also dear to everyone. Thus, there, not, there cannot be any faulty action on the part of the super soul. The Lord is always kind to all living entities, <clears throat> irrespective of form and situation. He took the side of Indra just like an ordinary friend. This was the subject of Parikshit Maharaja's inquiry. As a devotee of Lord Krishna, he knew very well that Krishna cannot be partial to anyone. But when he saw that Krishna acted as the enemy of the demons, he was somewhat doubtful. Therefore, he posed this question to Shukadeva Goswami for a clear answer. A devotee cannot accept that Lord Vishnu has material qualifications. Maharaj Prikshit knew perfectly well that Lord Vishnu, being transcendental, has nothing to do with material qualities. But to confirm his conviction, he wanted to hear from the authority, Shukadeva Goswami. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, Samasya katam vaisham yam. Since the Lord is equally disposed toward everyone, how can he be partial? Priyasya katam asureshu prityabhavaha. The Lord being the super soul is extremely dear to everyone. Why then should the Lord display unsympathetic behavior toward the Asuras? How is this impartial? Suridascha katam teshwasau hardham. Since the Lord says that he is suridam sarvabhutanam, the well-wisher of all living entities, how could he act with partiality by killing demons? These questions arose in the heart of Parikshit Maharaj, and therefore he inquired from Shukadeva Goswami. Text number two. Lord Vishnu himself, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the reservoir of all pleasure. Therefore, what benefit would he derive from siding with the demigods? 
What interest would he fulfill in this way? Since the Lord is transcendental, why should he fear the Asuras? And how could he be envious of them? Purport. We should always remember the distinction between spiritual and material. That which is material is infected by material qualities, but these qualities cannot touch that which is spiritual or transcendental. Krishna is absolute, whether he is in the material world or the spiritual world. When we see partiality in Krishna, this vision is due to his external energy. Otherwise, how could his enemies attain salvation after being killed by him? Everyone who deals with the Supreme Personality of Godhead gradually acquires the qualities of the Lord. The more one advances in spiritual consciousness, the less he is affected by the duality of material qualities. I'll read that again. It's very, very important. Everyone who deals with the Supreme Personality of Godhead gradually acquires the qualities of the Lord. The more one advances in spiritual consciousness, the less he is affected by the duality of material qualities. So in bhakti, our main practice really is staying in contact with Krishna. In other processes, there's a separation that is one's considering one's own power in controlling the senses and the mind. And in bhakti, the main consideration is Mana Krishna Navesha yet, that somehow or other one remember Krishna. In fact, out of all the rules and regulations that are there in the Shastra, there are two that are the emperors of all the other rules and regulations, and all the other rules and regulations serve these two. And that is number one, to always remember Krishna, and the second is to never forget Krishna. So this is taken very literally in bhakti. And in, in bhakti, the way in which one directly deals with Krishna is mentioned by Prahlad Maharaj. In fact, he said this to his father uh, the, when his father asked him the second time, uh, what's the best thing you learn in school? Uh, Prahlad Maharaj very humorously, he didn't mean to be funny, but it is funny anyway, because... Each time he asked him what he learned in school, hoping to hear about, uh, you know, how he was getting up to speed on how to exploit others and, and finding out material scientific ideas, uh, Prahlad Maharaj would reply with what he actually learned from his spiritual master, Narada Muni, when he was in the womb. So the second time the um, great demon here, Ani Kashipu, asked he says, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Pada, Sevanam, Archanam, Bandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Bedi. Iti Pumsar, Pita, Vishnu, Bhaktis, Chen, Navalakshana, Krieta, Bhagavat, Yada, Tan, Ditam, Uttamam. He said that the direct process uh, of devotional service consists of these nine processes Shravanam, hearing, uh, Kirtanam, chanting, Smaranam, remembering. Uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, worshiping the Lord, Archanam, worshiping the deity, Archanam, Vandanam, offering prayers, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, serving, Sakyam, becoming a, a friend of the Lord's, and Atmanivedanam, offering everything. Iti Pumsarpita Vishnu Bhaktish Chen Navalakshana, Trieta Bhagavad Yada. He said that. Um, these are the direct processes of devotional service. 
Excuse um, Tan man ye ditam utamam. Tan man ye means that uh, I consider aditamam learning. This is the the person who um, is engaged in these nine processes. Uh, Prahlad says, I consider to be the most intelligent, the most learned of all uh, people. So iti, after he names the nine processes, iti thus pumsa arpita. This is uh, what's offered by the devotee, pumsa arpita. Uh, the devotees offering these nine to Krishna, chen uh, navalakshana, and they 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 have nine different uh, processes, nava uh, nine lakshana, qualities or practices. Kriyata, these are things that you should do. Bhagavati unto the supreme personality of God, ada. So that word's important. Ada means directly. It's directly offered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Tanmanye ditam utamam. And it's and someone who's engaged like this is considered to be the most intelligent. So that's the, the system, how to deal with Krishna in the process of bhakti yoga through these nine processes. And if one does this, then it's very natural by being in contact with Krishna. For instance, through hearing... We hear uh, Krishna Kata, that is, we hear the Leela, uh, what Krishna, how Krishna dealt with his devotees uh, and uh, in loving ways, how he killed demons, how he lived in um, Vrindavan and, and Mathura and Dwarka. And uh, then we also hear instructions by Krishna and by Krishna's devotees. These are all considered Krishna Kata. And uh, by hearing this, the instructions, we begin to develop uh, discrimination and also taste. Through the hearing of Shastra, we hear a voice that is much wiser than our intelligence may be at the, at the time being. Uh, my intelligence, which is right next to me, may have been affected by hearing from uh, lower sources. That is, uh, people who are... Uh, keeping a, a material motive in life. Those who are blind to the goal of life, Prahlad Maharaj says, they don't know that the swarta, gatim, the ultimate goal, is Vishnu. And then they uh, go from there and they use their intelligence in marvelous ways, but it's andam yatander upaniyamanas. By that kind of intelligent instruction, I become bound up by ropes, <laughs> ropes, particularly the three modes of material nature. And I end up following such people into a ditch. This ditch is mentioned in the Sri Shapanishad, Asurya Nama Te Loka Antena Tamasavrita. That is that if one associates with asuras or those who are atheistic or they're against devotional service, they have as their goal of material acquisition and controlling the material world, then the result is I'll end up with them. That's what this verse means, that I'll end up in a world uh, full of uh, people who are 
uh, like-mindedly engage in materialistic activities. And uh, that's hell. <laughs> that is actual hell. So uh, the intelligence, when the intelligence is informed by uh, materialistic people, then uh, it takes me in, in a direction following them that, uh, in which I end up in a ditch, uh, the ditch of material life, which is a very nasty place. So uh, the intelligence has to be informed by Krishna. Our senses are imperfect, but if we sincerely point them towards the Lord, by hearing his instructions, for instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, again and again, then the intelligence becomes fortified, and it's a miracle. We actually start to develop the qualities, starting with determination that I really actually want to improve. I would like to do the right thing. And when that arises within the heart, that feeling, accompanied by the fortifying effect of the uh, uh, transcendental sound vibration coming from the Shastra, then uh, Krishna helps from within the heart. And he, it, he illuminates the heart, giving us this um, encouragement from within that, yes, do the right thing. We have to make the choice because Krishna is equal to everyone and he wants to see us make the choice. He gives us all facility to do that, but then I have to make decisions. And even the tiniest of decisions to uh, turn towards Krishna. When I'm given a choice between two things, uh, go towards Maya or go towards Krishna, and I decide based on the strength I'm getting from hearing the Shastra and associating with devotees that I'm gonna do the right thing, I'm gonna go for Krishna, that creates an impression in my mind that makes it easier the next time to do the right thing. And step by step, I begin to develop myself, and that's what human life is meant for. Is meant for refinement and development, to develop this uh, character of uh, surrender to Krishna, using one's intelligence for Krishna, and, and all these things will come naturally by associating with him, with dealing with him. And the way that we deal with him is through shravanam, kirtanam, vishnu, smaranam, parasevanam, archanam, bandhanam, dasyam, sakyam, atmana, nibeda. Continuing in the purport, everyone who deals with the Supreme Personality of God it gradually acquires the qualities of the Lord. And of course, you were waiting for me to quote uh, 5.18.12. Yes, Yasti Bhaktir Bhagavatiya Kinchana Sarvargunas Tatra Samasate Sura Harava Bhaktasya Kutomahadguna Manoritinasadhitavato Bahi. Those who engage in these direct process of devotional service uh, gradually naturally develop the qualities of uh, the suras, the saintly people. <clears throat> the more one advances in spiritual consciousness, the less he is affected by the duality of material qualities. The Supreme Lord, therefore, must certainly be freed from these qualities. His enmity and friendship are external features presented by the material energy. He is always transcendental. He is absolute, whether he kills or bestows his favor. Envy and friendship arise in one who is imperfect. We fear our enemies because in the material world, we are always in need of help. The Lord, however, does not need anyone's help, for he is Atmarama, 
The Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 9.26, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam Yome Bhaktya Priyachati Tadaham Bhaktyu Paritam Ushnami Parila Manaha If a devotee offers me with devotion a little leaf, a flower, fruit or water, I shall accept it. Why does the Lord says this? say this? He is dependent on the, is he dependent on the offering of the devotee? He is not actually dependent, but he likes to be dependent upon his devotee. This is his mercy. Similarly, he does not fear the asuras. Thus, there's no question of partiality in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Text number three. O greatly fortunate and learned Brahmana, whether Narayan is partial or impartial has become a subject of great doubt. Kindly dispel my doubt with positive evidence that Narayan is always neutral and equal to everyone. Purport. Since Lord Narayan is absolute, his transcendental qualities are described as one. Thus, his punishments and his offerings of favor are both of the same value. Essentially, his inimical actions are not displays of enmity toward his so-called enemies, but in the material field, one thinks that Krishna is favorable to devotees and unfavorable to non-devotees. When Krishna finally instructs in Bhagavad Gita, Sarva Braja, this is meant not only for Arjuna, but for every living entity within this universe. Text 4 and 5. The great sage Shukadeva Goswami said, My dear king, you have put before me an excellent question. Discourses concerning the activities of the Lord in which the glories of his devotees are also found are extremely pleasing to devotees. Such wonderful topics always counteract the miseries of the materialistic way of life. Therefore, great sages like Narada always speak upon Srimad Bhagavatam because it gives one the facility to hear and chant about the wonderful activities of the Lord. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto Srila Vyasadeva and then begin describing topics concerning the activities of Lord Hari. Purport. In this verse, Shukadeva Goswami offers his respectful obeisances, Krishnaya Munaye, which means to Krishna Dvaipayana Vyas. One must first offer one's respectful obeisances to one's spiritual master. Shukadeva Goswami's spiritual master is his father, Vyasadeva, and therefore he first offers his respectful obeisances to Krishna, Dvaipayana Vyasa, and then begins describing topics of Lord Hari. Whenever there is an opportunity to hear about the transcendental activities of the Lord, we must take it. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recommends Kirtaniya Sadahari. One must always engage in Krishna Kata by chanting and talking about Krishna and hearing about him. That is the only occupation of the Krishna conscious person. Let's look up the word occupation. This is the only occupation. Maharaj, um, <clears throat> occupation means a job or profession, a way of spending time. It also means the action, state, or period of occupying or being occupied by military force. The third meaning is the action or fact of living in 
are using a building or another place. The Thank you. So it comes from the word occupy. And uh, this word uh, from Old French, from Latin, occupare, occupare, seize. A now obsolete, vulgar sense uh, seems to have led to the general avoidance of the word. <laughs> so it, it has to do with uh, grabbing onto something. To, and uh, this is uh, important because there's a way in which, unless we grab onto the, the time that's availed to us, whatever that might be, uh, the, the um, time that we get in a particular body is fixed up by higher authority, only they don't give us a little chit that reveals when that is, which is kind of, um, doesn't that make you a little bit, you know, um, nervous? So we're not really actually sure when the end comes, but it's fixed up. And um, of course, we can prematurely, um, you know, ruin the body or something like that. But there is a set a time and destiny for for, the, for us to be in the body. So then there is opportunity in every given day for how we'll use our time. And uh, the devotees occupy their time. They grab it. They seize it uh, on behalf of Krishna. So it's like a war. In a war, you have to have a strategy. Because as it's said, that the, the wars are won in the general's tent. Because if, if you have a good plan, and those who study these things, military arts, they go to a, academies where they study strategies of war and so forth, you find that in history, wars are won by strategy, not just by might. The, the, um, the Americans had a lot more firepower than the, um, than the Vietnamese did. South Vietnamese, uh, but uh, the America was defeated in Vietnam because they didn't have the right strategy. Uh, and similarly, other great wars, uh, well, that wasn't such a great one, <laughs> but any, any these, all these wars, uh, you'll trace it back to some smart person or a group of people who figured out how, how to strategize and um, occupy and to take over. So we have to think like that also, because we're in a war with Maya. And I was just listening this morning, uh, Prabhupada was saying that Maya is always going to try to drag us down. It's not that she, she'll uh, naturally uplift us. We have to uh, be in, the, in a military position that we're making a strategy to fight against Maya, because if we don't occupy the space, she will. So the devotee's occupation is Krishna consciousness. And it means that we really have to have a sound strategy and you have to keep reviewing it. And if you just let it go to chance and let Maya take you wherever she wants to go, then you just end up as another face in the crowd being manipulated by the material energy. But we're practicing something that's um, meant to take us to the spiritual world. Uh, that is um, not ordinary. So it requires some strategy and some determination to fight the war. So we have to occupy. We have to take advantage of this. Okay. Now I've lost my place. Where am I? So text number six. We can start from there. Did I finish four and five? 
Okay, that, that is the only occupation of a Krishna conscious person. Number six, the Supreme Personality of God at Vishnu is always transcendental to material qualities, and therefore he is called Nirguna, or without qualities. Because he is unborn, he does not have a material body to be subjected to attachment and hatred. Although the Lord is always above material existence, through his spiritual potency, he appears he appeared and acted like an ordinary human being, accepting duties and obligations, apparently like a conditioned soul. Purport, so-called attachment, detachment, and obligations pertain to the material nature, which is an emanation from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But whenever the Lord descends and acts in this material world, he does so in his spiritual position. Although his activities materially appear different, Spiritually, they are absolute and non-different. Thus, it is an imposition upon the Supreme Lord to say that he is envious of anyone and friendly to anyone. In Bhagavad Gita 9.11, the Lord clearly says, Fools deride me when I descend in a human form. Krishna appears on this earth or within this universe without any change in his spiritual body or spiritual qualities. Indeed, he is never influenced by the material qualities. He is always free from such qualities, but he appears to act under material influence. This understanding is aropata, or an imposition. Therefore, Krishna says, Janma karma chame divyam, whatever he does, being always transcendental has nothing to do with material qualities. Evam yo tattvata. Only devotees can understand the truth of how he acts. The fact is that Krishna is never partial to anyone. He is always equal to everyone. But because of imperfect vision, influenced by material qualities, one imposes material qualities upon Krishna. And when one does so, he becomes a mudha, a fool. When one can properly understand the truth, one becomes devoted and nirguna, free from the material qualities. Simply by understanding the activities of Krishna, one can become transcendental. And as soon as one is transcendental, he is fit to be transferred to the spiritual world. I'll read that again. Simply by understanding the activities of Krishna, one can become transcendental. And as soon as one is transcendental, he is fit to be transferred to the spiritual world. This understanding of Krishna's pastimes is not an intellectual exercise, but it's, it's attained by submissive hearing because Krishna is uh, above us in all ways, above everything and every living entity. As Krishna says in the Gita, Yo mam eva masam mudho janati purushottamam sasarva bhajati mam sarva bhavina bharata. Those who understand uh, Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and understand his unique position above the shara anakshara means the fallible and the infallible or the souls in the material world fallible those in the spiritual world infallible beyond the fallible and infallible there's Krishna who's above them all the Supreme Person so we can't intellectually understand Krishna but if we understand categorically that the uh, or we understand various categories that is that there are different energies working we're part of those energies we're able to distinguish between the energies and not make categorical mistakes that is 
one categorical mistake is to think I am material. This is a mistake because uh, we're not material, we're ensconced in matter, and uh, we're also not God. That's a, another categorical mistake. And also to think that uh, God is material is a categorical mistake because he's not. He's different from the material energy. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, he lists the various energies. Uh, he, he says, There's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. And above these, aparayam itastvanyam prakritim vidi me param jiva bhutam mahabaho yayedam jagat are the living entities who are categorically different from matter. But then there's uh, Krishna, who's the controller of all of them. Uh, in the ninth chapter, he goes on to explain how the whole material world is going on under his control, and he's uh, actually even separate from the controllers who are controlling the material world. And this is his uh, supreme Aishvarya, his supreme opulence, <clears throat> that he has this unique position. Uh, there's also a categorical mistake that uh, the Mayavadis make. They think that Krishna's body is made of, of matter, and they don't understand that he has shaktis, and that they're there within the supreme whole there are also divisions. Vedanti tatvabhiras tatvam yajjyanamadvayam brahmiti paramatmeti bhagavan iti shabdite. That is, there's Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan, and that Brahmanohi pratishtaham amritasya vayasticha, shashvatashya dharmasya. Krishna says that I'm the source of that Brahman. Everything is emanating from me. So this is Sambandha Gyan, and uh, we can use our intelligence to understand these various categories, but to uh, truly um, imbibe this uh, understanding of the Supreme Personality of God, it requires hearing this submissively again and again, and through revelation, one, one can then begin to understand uh, Krishna's transcendental position. And this puts any person in this material world who's in a material body in a unique position. Just by, um, dedicating one's um, intelligence for understanding the categories of the Lord's energies, to understand our relationship with him, and to hear about the Lord's activities with a submissive mind. That is to hear about him and think, suspend any disbelief that, oh, how can that be? Uh, because how could anyone have 16,108 wives? How could anyone have an Arbuddha of, of cows? Uh, that's more than billions, and so forth. If you're able to hear submissively, then um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says to Sanat Goswami, then one's mind becomes cleansed. And um, by that cleansing process of hearing about Krishna's amazing uh, transcendental features, then gradually one comes to know Krishna, and to know Krishna is to love Krishna, and to become attached to him. And it's from that state of complete attachment to Krishna, after understanding that he's the source of everything, he's the source of myself, that uh, one then begins to lose interest in the material world. And this is mentioned in uh, Bhagavatam, that um, 
Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janaya Yashuvai Ragyam Yanam Chai One naturally gets uh, detachment uh, from the world and, and knowledge about I'm, I'm not my body because when the light comes on, then you see things for what they are. And the light means to be in contact with Krishna. Okay. So the last part of this purport says, simply by understanding the activities of Krishna, one can become transcendental. And as soon as one is transcendental, he is fit to be transferred to the spiritual world. So you get a little um, badge that says, I'm fit to be transferred to the spiritual world. So then when they come to pick everybody up, then you can get on the bus first because you're fit to be transferred. So that's the main thing is get fit to be transferred. Should have a t-shirt, fit to be transferred. One who understands the activities of the Lord in truth is transferred to the spiritual world after he gives up his material body. Uh, one more verse and then I'm going to take some uh, reflections and questions. This is number seven. My dear King Parikshit, the material qualities, Sattvagun, the Rajagun, and Tamagun, all belong to the material world and do not even touch the Supreme Personality of Godhead. These three gunas cannot act by increasing or decreasing simultaneously. Purport. The original position of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is one of equality. There's no question of his being influenced by Sattvaguna, Rajaguna, or Tamaguna. For these material qualities cannot touch the Supreme Lord. The Lord is therefore called the Supreme Ishvara. Ishvara Parama Krishna. He is the Supreme Controller. He controls the material qualities. Material nature, Prakriti, works under his order. How then can he be under the qualities of Prakriti? Krishna is never influenced by the material qualities. Therefore, there is no question of partiality in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now, let's just have a few reflections or questions to expand the conversation. Guru Maharaj, um, I have a question. Uh, you yes. Were, you were talking about understanding the difference between um, understanding the Lord intellectually versus understanding him categorically. Um, and when we go through categories, we get to understand... Um, uh, which category is with which and without confusing our categories if we constantly listen to his leelas and his the descriptions and his energies then we attain the ability to understand him let me just amend that just slightly um, there there's a way in which we can apply our intellect to understanding the, the the categories and this is the proper use of the intelligence is to uh, study the different energies of the world and to understand um, how they're different. And from that, one can be, begin to develop something that's very important, which is called vivek, or discrimination. And this discrimination is a great power uh, that one develops when the intellect or the buddhi becomes purified by um, hearing the sambandha again. So continue from there. So my question was, when I'm trying to understand the Lord intellectually, I'm still trying to understand the Lord. When I'm trying to understand him categorically, I'm still trying to understand the Lord. My country. I'm not. I'm not. Make, I. I tried to amend that. I'm not making a difference between trying to understand him categorically and intellectually. I'm saying that an intellectual understanding of the Lord by studying 
the categories and properly understanding them is but, helpful. So okay. there's no, no uh, bifurcation between those two concepts. Okay. Okay. Maybe Bye. I misspoke in the beginning. Oh, no, no, you were right. I just misunderstood. Thank you, Gurmaj. Okay. Yes, Radha Kripa Prabhu. Uh, Maharaj, I was uh, reflecting on when you mentioned that we need to have a strategy uh, to win over Maya and uh, like in the military. So I was actually remembering when Prabhupada uh, writes the letter, he always used the word camp, uh, you know. So I was just thinking about, you know, Prabhupada was always a, a, a journal who is, who is always in a, uh, you know, leading us protecting us with the fight over Maya, giving us everything to do it. We just need to surrender to him. And, and under his protection, I'm sure, you know, Maya will not touch us if we follow what he's saying. It. So I was just really connecting those two things about how we need to make sure that the uh, it, it's an attack of Maya can slip in any time and we need to be always vigilant. Yeah, this is an important point, Radhakri Prabhu. And Prabhupada's mood was like this. For instance, uh, when he would move to a new location, he would set up a uh, camp. Uh, he put everything in order there. It's not that he'd get in there and, uh, you know, sit down and do whatever. You know, some people go and they'll go to a hotel, watch TV, whatever, you know. But, but the fact is, Prabhupada would go and he would meticulously set up his, uh, uh, his desk would be set up the way it was in the last place. And he would get situated there with whatever he needed then to fight the battle from that place. He didn't give any, make any openings for Maya to slip in and uh, there weren't any gaps. So this may sound like a rigorous kind of lifestyle, but actually it's not, it's an ecstatic lifestyle when, when one has control of one's faculties and senses and is able to actually feel that one is utilizing them fully for, for a, a higher purpose, there's actual satisfaction. I read a phrase a couple days ago that I wrote down, hopefully in this notebook, uh, that I got from, from one of the commentaries on the Yoga Sutras. Here it is, caught my attention. Um, <clears throat> this is from a commentary in the Yoga Sutra that says, whatever is good or most desired in this life or in the next is attained by intense concentration of the mind. <laughs> so when, when we actually are focused on what the purpose of life is, and, uh, and we have the wherewithal to do something about it through practicing, because the senses don't cooperate right away. The mind doesn't cooperate. In fact, Krishna says, we're at war with our mind and senses when we first start this process. And just like, you know, the mind is uh, the worst enemy until it's controlled. And so imagine, you know, the mind is a, like an enemy camp. It's right next to you. So the town right next to you is sending disinformation constantly to try to mess up your, uh, the minds of everybody in your town and, uh, you know, sends all kinds of, um, you know, uh, weapons and, and secret people that, that sneak in and stuff like that. That's a, you know, at war with the mind. The mind, when it's conditioned by the modes of material nature, then it's giving us disinformation all the time. So we, we have to strategize to come up to speed. 
And when we are up to speed and we're actually able to concentrate fully and we know we're concentrating fully and using our senses as much as possible in Krishna service, it's not that we feel deprived. It's just the opposite. We feel that we're in the flow of nectar. And when we're distracted, like I, I like to say that concentration on the right thing is nectar. Distraction is torture. And when we are in the interim period and we know what we're supposed to be concentrating on, but, but we're getting distracted, it feels a little bit like torture. Okay, another question or, or comment? Hare Krishna Maharaj, Dhanvat Pranam. Can you please okay. explain more about Krishna's qualities, Nirguna and Saguna, what, you, what we read in the one of the purports? Uh, yes. Uh, Krishna is a person and he has features. In fact, all the features that we see in the world in any other person that are attractive originally come from Krishna. They emanate from him. You can imagine how attracted we are to variety and especially to personality and to character. And deprived of that, we actually go crazy. We can't maintain uh, without the um, entertaining uh, in our minds variety uh, and interaction with others and so forth. And all of that comes from Krishna, but it comes from him in a perfect way. When it comes into our purview in the material world, it's perverted, and therefore we're not getting the real thing. But we can get a semblance of what actual nectar tastes like. So when we see good qualities in this world, uh, in people, for example, we know the ex exhilarating feeling it is to adulate them, to, ex uh, to appreciate the good qualities in others. So imagine that the person who's the source of all those good qualities and uh, the, that they're there unlimitedly and they keep increasing, how much we can actually give ourselves to that person and what it feels like to be connected to those good qualities. So hearing Bhagavatam imparts upon us that kind of, it gives us that association with Krishna. It's his incarnation. We hear about his qualities, his um, dealings with his devotees and so forth. And by hearing about his qualities, we'll actually start to imbibe them. And we have similar qualities, but in a minute quantity. And they will start to shine forth by our hearing about Krishna's qualities. Is there another question? I have a reflection, Prabhu. Yes. Two reflections. Um, to know Krishna is to love Krishna. I love that. And um, what was the other? <laughs> um, Ah, I went blank. That's okay. That one's really nice. To know Krishna is to love Krishna. So the more one knows about Krishna, the more one loves Krishna. There's uh, a place where we can give our full attention, where we won't be dissatisfied. And that's big news because we have to put our attention somewhere. And if we don't know where to put it, we'll go from one thing to the next, and that repeats the cycle of birth and death, just looking for that object that will actually satisfy our, our mind and our heart. And so the Bhagavatam is saying, look over here, look at Krishna, and get to know him. 
And when you do get to know him, you're going to love what you see. <laughs> I mean, car commercials will tell you that. <laughs> you know, when you see this Mustang, you know, you're going to fall in love. Because, uh, but, you know, I learned this when I, I bought my first car. I did a little research and then it, one of the articles said, don't fall in love with the car because it won't love you back. And um, it's true of any material um, situation. It either won't love you back or it won't love you back in a way that you can completely fulfill your loving propensity, but Krishna does. So we should try to get to know him as much as possible. And if we love Krishna, then we'll feel satisfied. Thanks, Daini yeah. Prabhu. Hare Krishna. The, the other one yeah. was get, get fit to be transferred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your little badge that says fit to be transferred, or you get a shirt, or maybe a band, you know, fit to be transferred. But get yourself ready to, to be transferred because it could be at any time. We don't know uh, when that uh, transfer time is going to come. Yeah. And if you're not quite ready uh, to be transferred to the spiritual world, then Krishna says, Yoga Brashtra Bijayate, those who almost made it, they have to take another bus transfer to a different place. You got to stay in the material world and then come back and try again. So this kind of determination should grow in the heart of the of the bhakti yogi that let me make this the time L let me get fit for transfer right now let me get myself ready why wait because if 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 i wait i don't know where i'm going to end up what's my next situation i don't get a a really clear pardon me <laughs> okay, so um, any other question or comment? Maharaj. Thank you, Prabhu. Maharaj. Thank you, Daidi Prabhu. Good ones. Maharaj? Yes? I have a reflection and a question. Yes? Um, the reflection is, um, you said um, the battles are won through a strategy, not through the strength. They're what? Battles oh, in the battles are won in the general's tent? Yeah, through yes. the strategy and not through the strength. Yeah, in the history we have seen, seen even Alexander with uh, not much great strength, he conquered the Persian Empire, which is much, much, much bigger than his strength just by through strategy. And I like that point. You know, even in Krishna consciousness, we need to have some kind of strategy. It's Maya is very strong. You know, we just cannot take Maya for granted. So we must always be under the shelter of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. I like that point very much. And then the question is, um, so we, um, so our aim is to, uh, you know, transfer in this very lifetime back to Godhead. But uh, so I read somewhere that you know it may take up to three births um, as a as a Kanishta Dikari, as a Madhyama Dikari, and as a Uttama Dikari to go back to Godhead. Can you please elaborate? on Read somewhere means. Um, I think maybe in Bhagavatam or maybe Bhagavatam. Maybe. Do you bring me the quote and we'll discuss. But the fact is that uh, I mean, when you bring a quote, uh, if you say uh, maybe here, maybe there, it's really hard to discuss. I I never heard anything like that in the Bhagavatam. Um, Bharat Maharaj went took three lifetimes to go back because uh, it's. It's, we shouldn't be disappointed. Wherever Krishna puts us, it's for our purification. Chitraketu, 
attain perfection in his mantra, but then he got um, another birth as Vritrasura. And, you know, Krishna, Krishna knows what he's doing to put us in situations to increase our desire to go back to him. But um, we shouldn't uh, wait around and think, you know, okay, three lifetimes. You know, uh, can, sometimes you say you can go back in one lifetime. Or in one lifetime, you'll go back. <laughs> uh, one of these lifetimes. But we should have the determination to go back in this lifetime. And um, then it's up to Krishna, because then he may transfer us to a place in this uh, uh, Brahmanda or another Brahmanda in, in the material world where we get more training. I mean, just think of when you're, when you're, uh, when you get elevated by Krishna, really what happens is he puts you into a better and better association. That's by his arrangement. Just finding association in the first place comes from our own sincerity. It's not that we can find saintly people unless we have that yearning in our heart for God. And that's where it all starts. If I'm praying, God, please show me the way, he'll show you. He'll actually uh, then hook you up with somebody who, who's a representative, who's got something, you know, some connection and say, here, here it is over here. And how do we make the next steps and the next steps to get to these higher levels of devotional service uh, if we really want them? You know, we can't plateau and then just say, okay, I joined an organization. I'm good now. I'm going to go back to Godhead. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee in that. Even when Jayananda Prabhu went back to Godhead, and he was, as far as I could see, the sincerest devotee I had met ever, you know, in Krishna consciousness at that time that was, you know, fully practicing. And when he left his body, Prabhupada didn't say, he, he said that if you were thinking of Krishna, you went back to Godhead. If you, if you weren't, then you take birth, take uh, again in a devotee family and continue it from there. It's very scientific. So there's no guarantee just because of this, we're not entitled. The only thing that determines is what you want. And that's what Krishna pays attention to because we're independent souls. So he says, Yanti Deva Vata Devam, Pitran Yanti Pratirvata, Bhutani Yanti Bhuteja, Yanti Mam Yajinopi Mam. If you want me more than anything, you can come to me. So then one life, two life, three lives, a thousand lives, uh, up to Krishna. But if we want him, then he'll put us into better, uh, more and more association that will allow us to imbibe the finer qualities of devotional practice by, his, uh, by the mercy of the devotees. And that could be in this universe before we get trained up and who knows how many lifetimes. And it could be in one, it's up to him. Let's see, there, I see there's some comments coming in over here. We have, wow. Tadiya Seva said, Nate Vidu Swatakatim Hivishnu, Durashaya Yebah Artamanina, Andaya Tandar Upaniyamanas, Te Pisha Tantram, Urudamni Bada. Srimadava Mahotsava said, I like it. Oops, what happened? We got more camp coming in. I think you have to, if you can, oh, I can do it. I like when you said to occupy the space for Krishna, it's like the real activism to occupy my life with Krishna conscious activity. Yeah, that's a good word, activism. We should feel like that. Um, 
<clears throat> then uh, Nam Smarna uh, Prabhu said, um, idea of earning the badge fit to be transferred is very inspiring. By Kuntanayaka from Mysore, I like the point on occupation to be occupied with. What we occupy ourselves, our time with, decides what our consciousness will be. When we were traveling in Mysore, you would ask how many minutes before we reach the next destination, and you would use those few 10 minutes to read something from Bhagavatam. I was reminding them of the saying, take care of the minutes and the years will take care of themselves. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, from uh, Sudhir Madhava. I liked when you said, understanding Krishna is not purely an intellectual process, but by submissive hearing. Atashi Krishna Madhi. Good. Two, you also kindly elaborated that a devotee grabs or occupies the time he has been allotted by higher authorities. Time management is one of my weakest areas, and you gave the solution, strategic planning, revision, and management. Practical tips on this from your rich experience on strategizing, developing, and planning to actually execute would be wonderful. From your lips to the Lord's ears. Okay, Vaikuntanayaka, question from the occupation theme. How can I get conviction to be really focused on the one thing that I, I am doing, be it hearing, chanting, and not be distracted in the name of multitasking? In this rajasic climate, there is a tendency to do multiple things and not do any justice to any one thing. The answer is it takes practice. Anything you practice, you become good at. So practice uh, not multitasking when you're doing uh, your japa or your reading or anything like that. And there are ways to accomplish that uh, that are very, very practical. So uh, if you practice it, you'll uh, taste nectar and you'll also get good at it. Uh, Sukeshri, chanting helps control the mind. Please correct me when we control the modes by associating, oops, I couldn't understand that. Chanting helps control the mind. Please correct me when we control the modes by associating. <laughs> Sukeshri, I don't know what you're saying. Sorry, Prabhu. I, I was just trying to ask that um, the modes of material nature depends, I mean, which mode I am depends on the association I take. That's what? right. Uh, the modes of material nature, I mean, the mode I am in depends on the association I take. Like That's right. Purusha prakriti stohi bhunte prakriti jan gunan karanam gunasangosya sarasadhyoni janmasu. Because of our association, we develop different qualities. So those who are practicing strictly are very careful about their association. And of course, the perennial question, what about if I have to go to work and stuff? Yes, we have to work in the world and so forth, but just be careful what you're letting in. Be aware of the fact that there's uh, the, the, the modes and the, uh, come through associating with people and be, be careful about that. Next one, Aniruddha Nitai Chand Prabhu. He said, please accept my obeisances, uh, mine to you. I like the point about having a strategy against Maya since she is always willing to pull me down. Yes. Kameshri, I liked how know Krishna and love Krishna. To know Krishna is to love Krishna. Reminds me, Srila Prabhupada said in one of the classes, religion means to know Krishna and to love God. Yes. Um, I'm a little aware, a little too aware of the torture of an undisciplined mind, someone said. And how do we surrender our free will in a practical way 
to take decisions which most satisfies Krishna and be sure we are not acting due to some scars and impressions. Uh, the best way is to um, read, uh, read scripture every day. You have to read Shastra because that fortifies the mind. And then you have to have a cabinet, just like a prime minister or president has a cabinet. It doesn't mean a, you know, one that you open and close. It means a group that of experts. Say any leader, a CEO, a president has to be surrounded by experts. Like Henry Ford didn't know how to read or write from, as far as I understand, but he knew one thing, how to find talent. And he surrounded himself with talent and he had good ideas and he was able to build an empire. Of course, he was a racist too, but that's besides the point. Most people were back then, um, but he was really bad. There's a, there's a, um, a way in which we depend on uh, the expertise of various people to help guide us. So an intelligent uh, devotee can uh, find out good association through which uh, he or she can be guided and make good decisions uh, throughout life. So read Shastra and get yourself a cabinet together. And also have yourself a, a Magna Carta. Know where you're going and why you're going there. You have to write it yourself because it's your life. Sudhir Madhava said, I wasn't clear. I had had a question. Can you please share tips on strategizing and planning? Well, one of the best tips, the most basic is to get yourself a pen. And Vrinda Sundari just gave me this pen. It just came as a gift in the mail the other day. It's the nicest pen I've ever had. It's called, it's called Baron Fig. It's made out of copper. It's got a lot of heft to it. And listen to what it says on the back of the box. The pen is, mighty, is a mighty sword. It grants the power to move entire nations, to touch people's hearts and souls, to make something from nothing. So this is the beginning of the strategizing process. Get yourself a barren fig or another pen, like one of these, and get yourself a pad of paper. This is a human invention that is overlooked, a technology that nowadays people overlook. Not Madhava Mahotsaprabhu, he's got it. Uh, if you get yourself a pen and a pad of paper, preferably a legal pad if you're planning your life, so, you ha so you're taking it seriously like you're an attorney. Uh, and start writing down. Take time to yourself. That means without any distraction and without any, any other thing to do. And start writing down what's working well and where there's room for improvement in your life. And think on paper. Once you commit it there, then you can start prioritizing and circle the things that are the most important to you. You'll be so energized. Then put those on a separate list. And on that list, then make a plan for each one. How do I get there? What are the obstacles behind it? And if you work from a list like that and you start to look at how uh, I, I have to take the next steps, even if you feel like I can't do this, it's too big, whatever, just find the next step and keep moving towards it and you'll feel satisfied. And you'll, you'll actually, by Prabhupada's me method, he used to say, drops a day, wear the stone away. Don't wear, worry where you are now. Just worry about knowing what the next step is and making those tiny steps every day. 
and then you'll be successful. Okay, so a couple more and then we'll, we'll move on. And this is from Prema Kishori. Uh, she says, uh, please accept my obeisances, mine to you. I like the idea of occupying our mind and time with always remembering Krishna, never forget Krishna and Kirtaniya Sadahari. But you're a very fortunate person, you know that. If you like that idea, you are very fortunate. Um, from Mayank, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Mayank. Uh, I really like the point about discrimination. The, by restraint and wise discrimination, we can understand what keeps us bound and use this knowledge to transcend into a new spiritual position. Yes, this is mentioned by Kapiladev. It's uh, in, the, in the process of Sankhya. There's a... Uh, description of what we call vivek and it means the awakening of discrimination so there's a way in which by uh, hearing from the shastra uh, and uh, getting good association one begins to make clear discrimination so vyasadeva talks about this in his commentary on the yoga sutras he says the mind is always presenting all kinds of ideas for material enjoyment so one of the ways of vivek or discrimination is to look at each one of them as they're presented and then um, ask, uh, put a counter thought. He calls it a counter thought to it. This is discrimination. Say, okay, thanks for the suggestion. What is the ultimate result of your suggestion, dear mind? <laughs> and then follow it to its conclusion and watch what happens. And it's like, here's a beautiful person. I want to be with this person, embrace it. What, what will that person be like in 50, 60 years? Uh, I want to eat that whole cake. What will I feel like and look like if I eat that whole cake? Uh, there's so many things you can look at and say, what will happen if I do this? Uh, and the Shastra gives us the, the long-term vision to understand that there's karma in everything we do in the material world. You have to pay a price. So when you try to enjoy the material world, what is the price you're going to pay at the end? This is discrimination. And if you, you start to develop that very strongly, then uh, you're a smart person. You're just wise. You're moving around the world and not just willy-nilly grabbing whatever your senses say you should grab. You're being very discriminating. And this feels good to be in the driver's seat. So this is a gift from Krishna that comes from hearing from Shastra and associating with devotees and doing japa, and also uh, doing uh, work for Krishna. These are four things mentioned by, uh, by Vyasadeva that will help one to develop this vivek, or clear discrimination. So that brings us to the end of our Bhagavatam reading. We left off at uh, text number eight, and that's where we'll take it up for the uh, ongoing reading that will... Um, culminate at Mishringa Chaturdish. Not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, hey, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman.